Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Histriotic Podcast. My name is Abigail. I'm your host. I am your researcher, and I am the Histriotic Podcast. So this is this is the premiere episode of season three that was supposed to come out yesterday. Um, today's September 6th. It was supposed to come out September 5th, and September 5th passed, and there was no episode. Huh. Um, that was an executive decision that I had to make on my own. But if this is your first time listening to the History Addict podcast, what's up? Welcome. Thank you so much. I love you. I love that you're here. You're going to like this, hopefully. If you don't, then go listen to my other episodes. You'll you'll like at least one of them. I have a lot of episodes. I think I have like, is this our, how would this be? We did four episodes the first season. Seven, seven plus four is, I'm bad at math. I'm so bad at math. 11? I've done 11 episodes? Oh, that's a lot of episodes. I think so, right? Yeah, that would be 11 episodes. This would be our 12th episode. So if you don't like this, then go listen to something else that I have because I have a lot. Um, So, hi. This is season three, episode one. And I'm super excited for this season. If you didn't already see on Instagram or you just like didn't look at the title of this episode because I'm going to title this something. I don't know yet. I usually come up with it like on the spot when I'm like publishing it. But this um, season is all about the Mexican-American War. I feel like especially in American schools and the school system here, we when we're ever, whenever we're learning about history, we'll spend like two months on like the revolution the revolutionary war we talked which we talked about last season um and like you know the constitution so that period from like 1760 not 1765 well one of the this is we started usually the boston massacre and that was in the 1760s i believe boston massacre Oh, 1770. So we start around 1770, and then we just, like, end, like, um, when George Washington becomes president, which I think was in 1793, I want to say. I just made that up. But it was in the 1790s. And that's, like, we, we do that, and then we, like, literally skip to, like, the Civil War, which is bananas because there's so much cool history between those two um times i mean you got the war of 1812 you got andrew jackson and all of that fun stuff i mean our boy andrew jackson he was doing some pretty controversial stuff there's a lot of opposition to him but i mean he was still there we had the whole john quincy adams wins the presidency over andrew jackson that first time that was a whole big thing we got war of 18 i already said the war of 1812 um <laughs> we got some expansion the louisiana purchase there was so much going on in the 1800s that I feel like we don't talk about enough. And so I really wanted to touch on that this season, the podcast. And I think it's good because, you know, last season we talked about the founding of America and um, how that all worked um, by looking at it through a lens of hidden history, as you want, as I like to say. Um, I wouldn't say this is necessarily hidden history. But it's something that you don't know all that much about. It's like the Mexican-American War. Oh, yeah, America went to war with Mexico. I think that's so cool. Like, we're going to talk about this later in the season, but, like, America literally invaded Mexico City. If you don't know where Mexico City is, first of all, pull up a map. That's sad. 
Second of all, Mexico City is like in southern Mexico. It's pretty far south, okay? It's like it's like a five and a half hour, six, six hour plane ride from New York City, maybe. I've been to Mexico City. It's it's far down there, okay? It's not like near Texas. It's near like Honduras, okay? And I think that's so cool. We went all the way down there. Um, you know, a lot of the wars that America has fought, um, I mean, in modern history, I would say, after 1900, are weren't in the weren't in this country. Right now, we're fighting the war on terrorism, which is um, mainly in the Middle East. We we fought, you know, World War II, which we were in the Pacific Theater and the European Theater. World War One, that was mainly the European Theater. Um, we haven't fought a lot of wars here on our soil since, I want to say the 1800s. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, we went to Vietnam, we went to Korea. These were wars in different lands, okay? But in the 1800s, there was a lot of wars here in the country. We had the War of 1812, which was primarily on the East Coast. The British came back, they said, hey, we're still upset. We want our colonies back. And the Americans said, no. You fought the Civil War in the 1860s, which was, um, that's crazy. The Civil War is crazy. I still can't wrap my head around that. You know, we fought the Mexican-American War. We fought, there was, you know, multiple skirmishes here and there. We had the Mormon War, which I feel like we should talk about. I did an essay. I should actually upload that essay on the website. But I did an essay, um, about the Mormons when I was a freshman in high school. And the Mormons had like a full-fledged war with the U.S. government. And it was crazy, some crazy stuff. They basically wanted to um, have Utah become its own country, like its own free Mormon state. And the U.S. wasn't having it. So there's just a lot of stuff that I feel like that happened in the 1800s that is not necessarily as well known as, say, the... um, um, what can I say? How do I put this? Uh, the Civil War. There you go. There you go. Like the Mexican-American War. There's so much cool stuff that we're going to talk about this season. I'm super, super excited about it. We talked a little bit about um, the 1800s in the first season when we talked about the Gilded Age, but that was much later in the 1800s. You know, that was post-Civil War. That was um, post-Antebellum. So this is going to be a very, very fun season. I'm excited for it. In this episode, we're talking a little bit about the background of the war, the start of the war, and we're ending right around um, when the Mexican cavalry invades this little area called... It's... But I can't pronounce it yet. I gotta Google this. The Nuece Strip? I'm gonna Google it, but it's gonna be a fun episode. Okay, so Google... Um, says that it's pronounced Nuezis Strip, or at least the English pronunciation, the English pronunciation, Nuezis Strip. That's what I'm going to go with this episode. As always, if you aren't already following us on Instagram, go do that. Why aren't you doing that? Um, you can go find us at the History Addict Podcast on Instagram. Once again, it's the History Addict Podcast. Go type that into your little search bar. Find us there. We have a bunch of posts. We have Trivia Tuesday every other Tuesday. I do so many announcements there. So many fun things on there. If you ever miss anything that I've put on the stories, 
Um, nine out of ten times, they're going to be saved in the highlights. So you can swipe through them, find them all, find whatever you want. Um, so make sure to go drop a follow there. Um, and if you are a history account, I will follow you back. So that's how I do it. If you are a history podcast, you follow me, I'll follow you. Follow for a follow. That's kind of how I like to do it. Um, if you are not already reading our website, why aren't you? Make sure to go do that. Um, we have a bunch of blogs there. You can listen to the podcast on there. Um, there's a bunch of cool stuff on there that I've done. Um, I'm going to be posting less less on there with this season because I'm going back to school and all that stuff. But it will definitely still be um, updated at least once a month. So go check that out. It is um, historyaddictpodcast.wixsite.com slash thap. Thap is T-H-A-P. So once again, it is historyaddictpodcast.wixsite.com slash thap. Thap is T-H-A-P. So make sure to go follow me. Go on the website. Go check it out. Go get a nice look. You can go like the post that I have on there, actually. We have a bunch of cool blog posts. Um, each of them are about like a three or four minute read. So if you don't want to sit down and listen to an hour podcast, that's okay. I got other stuff for you. You can go read my blog. Um, so yeah, I will be posting soon my Mormon essay on the history of the Mormons. So that's going to be fun to read. Um, I hope y'all enjoy this episode. I do. As I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about, um, what, what Mexico was going through at the time, what the United States is going through with the manifest destiny. We're going to be touching on the Republic of Texas, the Texas revolution, the Oasis strip. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to really be touching on a lot of things this episode, but, um, this is going to be about a seven episode season. I've planned out similar to last season. I kind of want to start doing like, um, make each each season of the year into a season so this will be our fall season then we'll do a winter season spring season summer season and so on so um you know about roughly four seasons a year seven episodes each that's about 28 episodes in a year which is a lot um but you know i did postpone this episode for a few reasons. I've been so busy lately. And especially when you're jumping from different topics, it's it just a lot to process. Um, it's really easy to like write seven episodes. It's really easy to like write an episode on something that you've already researched. I go through this every time. Um, I mean, I've only done this. This is my second time starting a new season. But when I started season two, it was definitely um a learning curve at first, because although I know so, although I know a lot about these topics, um, you do have to refine what you know and polish up on what you know, so I can present to you guys the best story and the most accurate story, and the most factually researched story. And so there's a lot of work that goes into that. And when I was researching for the first episode of um, season two, we talked. I talked a lot about um, you know the King Philip's War, the Queen Anne's War, the Puritans. I talked about all the different regulations and taxes that were placed in the colonists and the Quartering Act, the Stamp Act, and the Sugar Act, all that stuff um, in the Battle of Lexington and Concord. I talked about a lot of different things leading up to the Culpa Ring in that first episode. And it's a big switch from talking about Grace Kelly and Monaco to um, immediately you're in 1775 British America and it's a huge switch. And so 
you know, once you write that first episode, you're you're kind of going good. You can kind of you're kind of in the mindset. You you understand what you're talking about, and so that's kind of what's I'm going what's happening with this episode. I have to um, you know, change gears a little bit, and I have to research a little bit, and that takes a little bit of time. And I um didn't plan my time like I should have, and um I had to move the day. I have to I had to move the episode back a day, but nevertheless, it's gonna be it's here now. It's here now. I was I was gonna say it's gonna be here now because it's me recording it earlier in the day, um, but now you're listening to it now, and I thank you for that. So it just it's hard to switch from one topic to another. Um, this is about what's that? This is about seventy years um, after the colonial America. So it's a big switch. It's a big topic transfer. But I hope you like this episode. I sure do. I sure hope you love this season. It's a good one. Mexico, America, Mexican-American War. It's going to be a good one. You're going to love it. So I thought, you know, we always got to do the background. We always got to examine what each country has had been going through and was going through at the time of this whole situation. This whole war had taken place. So let's talk about Mexico first. For, for first. I love Mexico. I've been there multiple. How many times have I been to Mexico? I've been all across Mexico. I've been to both coasts. I've been to Mexico City. I'll see you in Mexico. Oh my gosh. If you haven't been to Mexico City, I really encourage you to go there. I got food poisoning there, but even though I got food poisoning, I still had a blast because it's a really, really cool city. Um, and there's so much history in Mexico. There's so much, so much indigenous architecture. I mean, the pyramids and all the cool stuff there. I definitely encourage you to go. But I've been I've been to Mexico quite a handful of times, and this season, this season is very very special to me because I love history and I love Mexican history. I um, think there's so much cool history in Mexico, especially. And I have some photos that I will be sharing with you guys on Instagram, possibly a blog post, probably not though. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about Mexico. So Mexico gained independence from Spain in 1821. I'm currently reading a book on this called American Colonies. Um, it's pretty good. And I'm currently reading about, you know, how Spain um, basically took Mexico, which was then inhabited by um, the indigenous Aztecs and Olmecs and Mayans, all those different um, indigenous people groups. And they, um, the Spanish came over and they really integrated their European ancestry with the indigenous ancestry and made this new breed of people, new race of people rather, um, which are the, the Latino race. Um, and Latino culture has a lot of ties to indigenous cultures. Very, very interesting to learn about. But um, so, you know, the Spanish came over and they, one of the main goals was to find gold. That was what you did back in the day. Back in the day, all of our um, English not of our English explorers, explorers, but European explorers, explorers came over to the New World. They were looking for gold. They were looking for Cibola, City of Gold, and they never found it. They never really found it. Um, you know, they found a lot of natural treasures like, um, you know, sugarcane and, and different fruits, but they never really found the gold. And so. They said, you know what? We can't find the gold. What if we just settle here and colonize this area? And um, through colonization, they um, set up Catholic missions. So we'd have Catholic priests come over who were really trying to have the indigenous people 
um, in their eyes, turn away from their beliefs in pagan gods and turn to the one and true God, um, the Catholic God, and so the Christian God. And this was kind of a cultural division, cultural war that started. But Mexico, um, they told Spain enough is enough, and they gained independence from Spain in 1821 through the Treaty of Cordoba. They had fought a bloody war for independence between 1810 and 1821. The Mexican War for Independence is super cool. I encourage you to go look that up. Um, unfortunately, I didn't include this in the podcast because I'm lazy. So, and Mexico at first tried a monarchy. So the first few years, they said, what if we, what if we establish a monarchy like we had in Spain? And it just, it didn't work out. It didn't really work out. They had a region and the Mexicans were like, no. Come on now. And so they became a republic in 1824. The government was very, very new and they were very, very weak. And so um, at this point, there was already a very tense foreign policy relationship with the United States over Texas, um, California, a lot of the Western territory that Mexico owned, but the United States wanted to gain through Manifest Destiny. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, um, you know, to have a nation that's three or four years old and already you're at odds with what's becoming a global superpower that's frightening that's a lot to deal with the united states was the titan of the new world and mexico was already at odds with it and that was um very overwhelming for the mexican government and so i think we can look back to season two in our last episode where i talked about Um, how George Washington was very wary of having the young country, the young United States, become involved with um, different um, situations across the world, when he was very wary of gaining um, Lafayette's independence from the French jail that he was in. He didn't want to involve himself in issues across the world because he thought to himself, it's more important to foster the country first then try to uh, place herself in every single world problem. And I think Mexico could have learned better from this, and they probably could have um, retained so much of their land that they lost through the Mexican-American War um, if they had kind of just eased away from it. But the United States is greedy, and the United States wasn't going to let Mexico ease away from this. Um, the United States had been around for, at this point it must have been, what's what's i'm trying to do about 50 years but 50 years and so they were becoming pretty set in their ways and they were becoming pretty haughty and toddy and they said hey i want your land and we're gonna involve ourselves in foreign policy now so the british like they had tried to do in america the sprint the spanish tried to recapture mexico but the mexicans fought for their land they said no what are you doing here the french they tried to conquer in 1838 during the pastry war this, this is a fun one, the Pastry War. This is a little mini segue. So the Pastry War went as followed. The French had tried for some time to capture Mexico, but at that point there was no luck. But some Frenchmen lived in the nation, so they had tried many times. They had sent troops over, they sent people over, and there wasn't that much of French assimilation. And so there's certain areas in Mexico that have a lot of French influence, and the food in these areas have French influence. Um... Do I want to say, I almost want to say Mazatlan has French influence. It was one, it's either Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, or Oaxaca. 
that has the French influence. It's one of the three. I forget which one it was. I was reading up on Mexican history once, and I was learning this. But there's a lot of French influence, um, especially in Western Mexico. Um, and so a French pastry chef who lived near the Mexico City um, filed a complaint to the king of France. He said the Mexican officers came in, they looted my shop, and I'm, I'm out some money. And so the king of France, he took this as an opportunity to try to take Mexico. He said, this is awesome. Thank you so much. And he demanded 600,000 pesos from the Mexican government in restitution. So the shop was only worth 1,000 pesos and 600,000 pesos. We're talking like 600,000 pesos in um, 18, when was this? 1838. So this is like millions of dollars today that Mexico just didn't have then. They were a very, very new country. The shop was only worth 1,000 pesos. Why on earth was the king suing for 600,000 pesos? Well, let me tell you. The king was greedy. He saw this as an opportunity to take advantage of a weak central government of a young country. So, um, I mean, this was enormous for Mexico to even consider because the average, the, the average, the average daily pay was only one peso in Mexico. The Mexican president, he just said, no, he said, I'm not paying that. Are you crazy? And the French were ordered to carry out a blockade to all Mexican ports from Yucatan, which is where Cancun is a little peninsula that sticks out Yucatan to the Rio Grande, which is um, effectively the border between Mexico and the United States now. So this cut off Mexico's means of travel, means of trade, sorry, um, which was very, very important because at that point, there wasn't as much trade going out of the Western ports. The trade was going out of the Eastern ports back to Europe, um, to the Caribbean islands, to Florida, to um, Port Orleans and Louisiana. Mexico needed their eastern ports, and France knew that. That's why they carried in a blockade there, which is kind of similar to the um, British taking over the Boston Harbor and the war, not the War of 1812, probably, probably, I forget, but the Revolutionary War. So Mexico said, what do we do? And they started to smuggle their goods through Corpus Christi, which was then in the Republic of Texas, which you're going to get into in a minute. A rising star in Mexico, similar to Lafayette, Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, that was his name, offered his services to the Mexicans, and he fought off the French in battle. Where was I? I paused. Um, where'd he go? Santa Ana, he fought off the French in battle. He was like, not today, Satan. Not today, King of France, right? So Santa Ana, he was shot in the leg, and his leg ended up being amputated. Um... And most people were like, crap, would be like, crap, that sucks. My career is over. But Santa Ana said, no, my career has only begun. And he, where, where'd it go? He started a large political campaign over his battle wounds. Um, and he was a star in Mexican politics. People say that um, he kind of exploited his wound. But, I mean, his leg was amputated, so you got to give it to the man. So... He threw himself in the pit there and he said, look at me, look at me. I'm a warrior from Mexico. I'm a fighter from Mexico. Um, and he really got a cult following at this point, right? Santa Ana later became president, but we're going to do an episode on him later because he's so cool. That'll be later, probably in November. So you're going to have to wait a little bit. Sorry. Um, the French withdrew on March 9th, 1839 after a peace treaty. And the treaty stated that the Mexicans owed them the 600,000 pesos in damages to all of France. 
Um, and Mexico was like, no, come on. France was given promises for future trade commitments in, in place of artillery. So Mexico got very little. Um, in the peace treaty, they were like, okay, we can set up a trade with you, but can you guys give us like um, some artillery, you know, machine guns, all that stuff that they needed for war. Mexico was really thinking there. Um, but the Mexican government, they never paid the $600,000 in pesos. Um, it's not dollars. 600,000 pesos. There we go. And the French used this as leverage when they invaded Mexico in 1861, which was around the same time as the Civil War um, here in America. So the Mexicans had a victory in 1867 with the French, and it was not until 1880 that the two countries resumed diplomatic relations, and there was a little bit of a tense relationship between the two for a little bit. Mexico's central government was weak. The things keeping the country together were the Catholic Church in Mexico and the Mexican military. Um, Northern Mexico, which at this point was basically just all of Western USA today. So the modern Western United States was owned by Mexico. It was not tightly controlled by Mexico. Um, they didn't really have good grips up there. There was very little people living up there, to be honest with you. It was mostly just indigenous peoples. Um, you know, Native Americans who lived up there, not as much as like today. Like there was not hundreds of thousands of people up there. No, not at all. Um, so Mexico's central government was weak. It was really, really weak. And the Texans revolted against Mexico to form their own republic. And they defeated the Mexicans in 1836. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. General Santa Ana, he fought up there in Texas, and he had signed a treaty with the Texans acknowledging their independence, but the bitter Mexican government would not recognize it. And in 1846, Texas was annexed by the United States and became the 20th state. So Mexico, so Texas, rather, um, existed as its own country for about 10 years. He had a president and everything, and they were the Lone Star State, the Republic of Texas, which is, which is always cool to think of, you know what I mean? Manifest destiny. What was going on there? So the Americans wanted to expand across the whole continent of North America. It was there. It was in their minds, and many, um, particularly white American minds, that their Judeo-Christian duty um, was to take over all of North America from coast to coast, from sea to shining sea. Um. And to do so, they would unfortunately have to take some of Mexico's um, most heavy assets, which were California. California was the jewel of the New World. Whoever got California, basically, at that there there was a war a little bit here. There was between you know Britain wanted it, the French wanted it, um, America wanted it, and the Mexicans who owned it wanted to keep it. And it was basically like, whoever gets California is going to be the best one out of us all. California was the jewel of the New World. It was the jewel of um, the West Coast. And the Americans saw that. They knew that. And they wanted it. Right? And so, um, in 1803, Jefferson, he bought the Louisiana Purchase from France. It was like pennies on a dollar. The French, the French government was in big debt. And they're like, yo, Jefferson just... We'll, we'll, just, we'll give you the land, man. And he's like, lit. So this stretched from Louisiana all the way to modern-day Canada, right? So Louisiana Purchase is 
was huge. And we got to owe that all to Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, the third president. So this was basically the American Midwest that we know today. This also gave the U.S. control of the Mississippi River, which was um, Jefferson's main goal here. Once you had the Mississippi River, you could really control trade, um, you know, going down to Port Orleans in Louisiana and going all the way up to the St. Lawrence, the St. Lawrence Waterway um, to connect with Canada and the French traders up there. So the U.S. tried to buy territory from Mexico starting in 1825. Andrew Jackson really, really pushed on it with no success. Mexico was really trying to retain it, which I think was really smart there because in 1825, they were like a country for about four years at that point. And it could have been very, very easy to sell all that land um, and make bank. But Mexico is really trying its hardest to hold on to their land because you don't want to give up territory. It's never it's never what you want to do, right? So the Democrat Party strongly supported expansion. It's not pure coincidence that the U.S. went to war with Mexico under Democrat President James K. Polk. We're going to be talking about Polk a little bit later. Polk was a funny guy. Um, so the U.S. was also experiencing economic successes with the Industrial Revolution, and they were also seeing, you know, you, that the crops were getting wore out in the southern United States, and the cotton crops, the tobacco crops, the land was getting wore out. You know, George Washington Carver, he, he really talked about how we have to rotate the crops to cultivate the soil and to really make sure that the land um, is still healthy to grow things. And it was becoming more and more apparent that, um, well, at that point, they weren't really rotating the crops. And they needed somewhere to expand to because the soil down south was getting wore out. The earth down there was just like, hold up. Y'all y'all keep on using me. I don't got that much. Right? Um, so the U.S. ambassador to Mexico, he started trying to negotiate to get California in 1842. His name was Waddy Thompson Jr., and he stated, As to Texas, I regard it as a very little value compared with California, the richest, the most beautiful, and the healthiest country in the world. With the with the acquis acquis I'm sorry. Acquisit acquisition. There we go. With the acquisition of Upper California, we should have the same ascendancy on the Pacific. France and England both had their eyes upon it. So what's important to remember here is that England had Canada at this point. Canada was England's, and they were also kind of settling out. They had some settlements in Oregon and they were Washington, and they really were trying to get that part of the country. They failed miserably, but they had Canada. They have Canada to this day. It's a Commonwealth nation. Um, the British, who had a presence in Oregon Territory... I put it in my notes. That that little part was from my head. But this one, it was in my notes. So the British who had presence in Oregon Territory at that point, and Canada also had their eyes in California, and the Foreign Secretary, Lord Palmerston, wanted to acquire it, but Sir Robert Peel, who was the Prime Minister at the time, was against the idea. And the British abandoned their idea to gain California. Lord Palmer Palmerston eventually became Prime Minister. Um, if you don't watch Victoria, which is a period drama based on the life of Queen Victoria. First of all, why aren't you? It's on Amazon Prime, for starters. Like, it's literally that easy. I watch it on TV when it airs, but, like, y'all can catch up. And it talks a lot about um, Lord Palmer Palmerston when he was Foreign Secretary. 
and, you know, Sir Robert Peel when he was prime minister. So if you like them, go watch Victoria because it really talks about that in a really easy to understand way. Texas. Teja. So in the 1800s, the Spanish colony of Texas had really few settlers. I mean, think of, you know, when, I think when we um, think of the past, um, especially in these settlements, we almost think about it in modern day numbers. We think of these cities as being as big as they are today, and they really weren't. They were a lot, lot smaller, so much smaller. And especially in Texas, Texas had a roughly about 7,000 non-native settlers, so non-indigenous people settlers. So I'm talking like 7,000 white people, basically. So most Austin, he was a white man. He was an American. He was gifted a huge lot of land from the Mexican government to encourage economic development in Texas. The Mexico was looking at Texas. They're like, we have a lot of prosperity here. We have a lot of um, hope for Texas. And so they said, Moses, what if we give you land for you to work on and build upon? And Austin was like, sure, dude. But Austin also looked at this as a business venture. And he started selling off tiny parcels of land to white settlers. And Mexico didn't like how many white um, Americans were settling there. They're like, we're Mexican. Listen, this ain't this ain't New America. This is this is Texas of Mexico. So Mexico annulled the contract with Austin and banned further immigration to the area from America, right? So despite slavery already being abolished in Mexico, they allowed the white settlers in Texas to bring slaves with them. Austin challenged the annulment, and Santa Ana led troops to meet Austin's men, and the meeting turned from Texas wanting autonomy to um, say, hey, we get it, y'all are anti-slave, but we're pro-slave, so we want our slaves. It's, it went from that to Texas wanting full-on independence, which was just was a lose-lose situation for Mexico, right? In 1836, Santa Ana defeated the Texans at the Alamo, killing about 150 people. However, numbers are disputed. But the Texans, the Texan, the Texas rebels were so furious that they defeated the rebels. They defeated, um, I'm sorry, they defeated Santa Ana's um, army at the Battle of Santa Cinto, right? So Mexico then recognized Texas independence as a country, the Republic of Texas. And Texas became known as the Lone Star Republic for about 10 years before becoming the 28th Star of the Union in 1846. Like my little star thing there? Yeah. I hope you do. I did do. I made it up right here. Noise's Strip. I think I'm getting that right, right? So that area is a strip between, not a strip, it's an area, or I guess you can say a strip, right? It's an area in South Texas between the Nueces River and the Rio Grande, which in English is Big River. It's literally what it is, Big River, Rio Grande, Rio Grande, Big River. Um, and so basically what, what this was, it was um, kind of like the DMZ um, between North and South Korea almost. And it's in, uh, where am I? <laughs> I'm like, blah, blah, blah. In, in the 1830s, the Republic of Texas claimed the Rio Grande as its southern border. But Mexico claimed the Nueces River about 150 miles north of the Rio Grande. So they had up with this 150-mile stretch that both countries claimed, the Republic of Texas and Mexico. Um, and it was like, who does own this? And so it became known as the Nueces Strip. And both countries invaded it and tried to settle there, but 
It didn't really work out, and it was kind of just disputed between them for a little bit, right? So U.S. President James K. Polk, a Democrat, had General Zachary Taylor, who, was later, who later became a president. Fun fact about Zachary Taylor, um, his daughter was actually the first wife of Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, the Confederate States of America, or the rebels who broke off from the Union during the Civil War. So um, his daughter was the daughter of a U.S. president and um, late wife of a rebel president. Not funny? I think that's funny. But anyways, Polk sent Taylor down there to take him and his men to the Noise Strip, and the U.S. claimed the land, and they cited the 1836 Treaties of Velasco. Mexico rejected the treaty, and they refused to negotiate as they claimed all of Texas. And so this set up a point of contention for the two nations, right? Um, so Taylor set up a fort down there, later known as um, Fort Brown or Fort Texas. You ever heard of Brownsville, Texas? It's kind of where it is today. Um, on, and that's on the banks of the Rio Grande. So a 2,000-man strong Mexican cavalry, cavalry is usually um, soldiers and horses. So Mexican cavalry showed up on April 25th. 1846, and attacked a 70-man U.S. patrol, which would be, which had been set up on the Strip. So now we're getting into the Mexican-American War. We had just talked about some background stuff. Now we're actually getting into what went down, what happened, all that fun, good stuff that you guys are here for, right? So the Mexicans attacked the U.S. Um, patrol, and the Americans were being led by Captain Seth Thornton. So today, this event is referred to as the Thornton Affair. The Mexican cavalry killed 11 Americans and captured 52. Polk used this to his advantage, and he cited this as an invasion of U.S. territory, and he requested that Congress declare war upon Mexico. Now, people disputed this. They said that it, it shouldn't have gone that way. Um, Abraham Lincoln, who was then a freshman congressman from Illinois, before he was president, he was a big challenger of Polk, Polk's judgment, and he stated um, regarding that the assertion that American blood had been shed in American soil was, and I quote, a bold falsification of history, end quote. He also thought this was an abuse of the powers of the executive office, but um, later on we see Abraham Lincoln basically be the strongest um, user of the executive powers in the 19th century, if not in all of history. Um, but that's undisputed. Uh, not, not undisputed. That could be disputed um, with all the CIA stuff that they hide from us, right? <laughs> so Ulysses S. Grant, who was then a military um, lieutenant, he opposed the war, but he served in the army, in Taylor's army, and he wrote this about it. He says, the presence of the United States troops on the edge of the disputed territory farthest from the Mexican settlements was not sufficient to provoke hostile hostilities. We were sent to provoke a fight, but it was essential that Mexico should commence it. It was very doubtful whether Congress would declare war, but if Mexico should attack our troops, the executive could announce, whereas war exists for the acts of, etc., and prosecute the, the contest with vigor. Once initiated, there would be a few public men who would have the courage to oppose it. Mexico showing no willingness to come across, to come to the Nueces, to drive the invaders from her soil, it became necessary for the invaders to approach, to within a convenient distance be struck. Accordingly, preparations are begun to, from 
for moving the army to the Rio Grande to a point near Matamoros. It was desirable to occupy a position near the largest center of the population possible to reach, which was absolutely invading territory to which we set up no claim whatever. So Ulysses wrote this in his memoir that he wrote um, right before he died in New York. He actually wrote this in New York State. And he kind of laid it out for us that we went down there provoking a fight. We went down there looking for drama and we got our drama, right? Um, this You can kind of parallel this to um, when the Germans invaded Poland. Um, it's a known fact that the Germany invaded Poland. However, to invade Poland, um, it had to look like the Polish had provoked Germany. So what the Germans did is they sent some of their own soldiers over to Germany dressed as Poles. And those German soldiers um, um, allegedly shot shot at um, German officers and Germans. And that gave Hitler and Third Reich leverage to invade Poland and effectively start World War II. So that's a little bit of what we see here um, outlined in Ulysses' memoirs. Ulysses later went on to be a president. Um, He was our 18th president after Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson um, succeeded Lincoln when Lincoln passed. Fun fact about Andrew Johnson, Andrew Johnson was actually impeached by, I want to say the House and not the Senate. Let me Google this. Let me Google Andrew Johnson impeachment. Let's see. The impeachment. Who who impeached him? Okay. So he was impeached by the House, but he was um, acquitted in the Senate. There we go. Right? Let me see. I'm interested now. Are you interested? I don't know. I'll, I'll look at that later. But either way... Andrew Johnson, he he kept office, but he was not really popular with the people of the um, the United States, right? So that's the Noesis strip for you. That's a little rundown of what happened and what provoked the war, I guess. We've reached the end. Ooh, fun, right? Um, so this was our first little episode shenanigans um and i'm leaving you off here in the noises strip which was april of 18 was it 1846 right yes 1846 april of 1846 which is where i'm leaving you off until next episode which we're going to be getting into um all of these cool you know the declaration of war the invasion all that fun cool stuff I hope you liked this episode. I once again apologize for releasing this so late. I totally lost track of time and that's my fault and my fault only. Um, <laughs> but, you know, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the History Addict Podcast. Go um, on our website, which is historyaddictpodcast.wixsite.com slash thap. Thap is T-H-A-P. Make sure you go do all that fun stuff. I hope you liked this episode. Um, if it was rushed, if you could tell I kind of rushed it a little bit, then um, 
good for you for reading between the cracks, reading between the lines there, right? Um, <laughs> so this, we talked, we talked about, you know, the situation in Mexico and the situation in the U.S. at that time and what led up to the war. And we touched on a lot of different cool things here. And I, I'm really excited about this season. I'm really excited to share it with you guys. And I know y'all are excited too. Once again, if you're a new listener to the podcast, welcome aboard. If you're a returning listener, I appreciate that so much. Um, I also want to just thank you guys for last month. We got a hundred listens in the month of August. There was a hundred listens between August 1st and August 31st, which was incredible. That's like literally the most listens I've ever had in a month. Um, I've been doing this since April and, um, you know, the first month it was, it was very slow and I was like, is this, this going to work out? Um, and you know, I was really surprised in July, there was 50 miss, there was 50 lessons in the month of July. And then last month in August, there was a hundred lessons, which was so, um, incredible. So awesome. And I just really want to thank all of you, all of you guys, all of the listeners, you were why I do this. You were why I keep on trying to produce these episodes for you guys. Um, you know, I think history should be available to everybody and, it, um, it's a fascinating thing to learn about, especially in my world. I love history. And um, I think that the whole purpose of a podcast is to, you know, sometimes when you read history from a textbook, it's hard to comprehend. But I feel like podcasting um, history makes it a lot more user-friendly and a lot more easy to understand. So I hope that's what you're getting out of this podcast. Um and I guess that's all that I have for you today on episode one of season three of the History Attic Podcast. Once again, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, leave a like, leave a follow. Um, and yeah, catch us back here on a Saturday, not a Monday morning at 2.30 a.m. Um, so I hope I will see you again for the next episode in which we're talking about all that good stuff. As always, I'm Abigail, and this is the History Addict Podcast. Music